I wonder where a guy, an everyday Joe like myself, can find a little action. Do I make you horny? Me love you long time. Me so horny. What is your major malfunction, nub-nuts? Give me some sugar, baby. People of the Earth, this is Dave Sheridan, a.k.a. Fishlock Kiki, and you are listening to the Metal Hand of God podcast. m Hall. back to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and you know that dude as... I am the rum guy. And guess what, boys and girls? Today, we bring you a very special guest, a gentleman who has been on the show before. And actually, you know what? He is the first guest we've had back on the show since all of the debacles that are going on with the pandemic and everything else. So... Without further ado, it's Mr. Kurt Amaker. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, that was where You're the crowd cheers. I'm welcoming you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's Kurt, crazy. how you been, dude? Um, uh, pretty good, actually. You know, I had a had a the usual sort of rough patches everybody did through the uh, pandemic, the hurricane, the pandemic again. You know. Uh, Car trouble, life trouble, you know, bats in the belfry, usual stuff. But uh, overall, uh, I'm actually pretty good. Um, got a got a book coming out. Got a couple of books coming out. Got a movie coming out. Uh, just spent a couple days running around with Danny Filth the weekend, or rather the uh, yeah, I guess it was a uh, you know the uh, well the the beginning of the week of the yeah. Danzig show last week. So uh, yeah, things are actually pretty good right now. I uh, never thought I'd hear myself say that out loud. <laughs> That's good. You know, I think everybody should be able to say that at least one time in their life, right? Yeah, adulthood is not so bad. I mean, I thought crossing 40 was going to be the uh, the end of the world, but in the end, you kind of uh, learn what not to really worry about, and then uh, you, you get the uh, the patience and the skill set to focus on the things that you do, and uh, life calms down a little bit. It's actually um, enjoying middle age much more than I thought I would. <laughs> That's yeah, good. yeah, you kind of reach that point where it's kind of like, well, you know what? Fuck it, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. We got to do what we got to do. Yeah, that's... your words, not mine, but uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's like whatever. You know, it just we just roll with the punches, and you know, eventually everything's gonna filter itself out. That's how you work things. That's how I work. Uh, it's one of the things they don't tell kids uh, early in life is that most things work themselves out, whether you uh, tend to them or not. I mean, eventually things just tend to kind of even out one way or the other. <laughs> That's true. We we do put too much emphasis on certain things. and um, uh, it, It's uh, the, er- the early parts of our lives are learning experiences. The rest of it is just supposed to be we know better. So, <laughs> right, uh, right. So, uh, 
who's billing who for this therapy session tonight? Because I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I'm actually sitting on a couch, so that's right. Um, what I'm, I want to know in a chair, so. okay? So I'm doing the billing, all right? <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us about this book that's coming up. We got a couple of things. Um, the first, the thing that'll be out soonest is the third issue of uh, Cradle of Filth's new miniseries through Incendium. Um, it's called uh, Maledict- Maledictus Athenaeum, and uh, Incendium has the license for several rock and metal bands. They have license for Disturbed, Evanescence, um, just Exodus, Halloween, and they also wow. have some movie is for um bill and ted and highlander and they are i think they're owned by heavy metal the magazine or they're owned by the comp by the company that owns heavy metal or a company owned by heavy metal called opus um i've never been real clear on the distinctions unfortunately i know that i i wrote for it and i got my paycheck and i was very very happy but um i was given the the third issue of the miniseries uh the first two thus far have been um each half of a, about a 30-page comic is based on a Cradle of Filth song. I was given the third issue all to myself to do um, Bathory Aria or Bathory Aria, um, to pronounce it correctly, which no one will, <laughs> does, will, or cares about, except me and a, like three English-speaking scholars. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I took um, Bathory Aria from the Cruelty and the Beast album, which is... Um, one of my two favorite Cradle of Filth albums. And um, we did the kind of fictionalized uh, graphic novel life of the Hungarian blood countess Elizabeth Bathory, uh, clarifying very much that this is the Cradle of Filth version of the character, not the historical counterpart who uh, spent years reading and researching. I've been to the castle in uh, Chastis in Slovakia a few years ago. So I... You know, I'm, I'm always real big on accuracy, but in this case, we went really with the kind of dark Disney fantasy version uh, that we see in the album. So uh, it's drawn by uh, Abigail Larson, who is, um, I think she may be American, but she lives in Italy. Um, she's either a Brit, she's either a Brit or American. I cannot remember. Forgive me, Abigail, if you're listening to this, but she lives in Italy, and the cover was done by uh, Megan Hetrick. And I've seen the art. Uh, I got a chance to go over the lettering and make some last minute edits. It looks great. I'm really excited about it and it should be out. I would say probably shipping on the pre-orders in June and it should be in comic shops September. I'm in a ballpark, but there have already been some shipping delays because of what's going over on going on over in China and with COVID. And so I cannot predict the, whether the comic shop release will be delayed, but the, I know the first issue of the mini series is supposed to be out in like, well, maybe July. So I'm get kind of guesstimating September. So, and if it comes out, comes out in October, all the better. So that's the, <laughs> uh, that's the newest one. Um, I can, uh, launch into what's going on with the next book, or we can talk about cradle of filth, which I could do, you know, all day, all night, of course. So, well, I think we should get into that a little bit because, uh, I know you were there. I was there as well. But the uh, the Danzig Cradle Show was uh, this past week, like we were just talking about. And, uh, uh, man, I thought it was fantastic, dude. I haven't seen Cradle in years. And, like, the last time I think I saw Danzig was, like, I don't know, 98 maybe. You know? And they both kind of blew me away. Their sound was so good. And, like, I was just, wow, you know? 
Yeah, I um I haven't seen Danzig since uh, I want to say 2003. I went to Blackest of the Black when I was uh, stuck out in California with the Marine Corps. I we I've told this story before, but we were in a uh, training exercise getting ready to go to Iraq. When I was this is when I was in uh, the Marine Corps reserves and we had been activated, and I hurt my knee really badly. And they sent um, all of us uh, broke dicks from the unit over to Camp Pendleton to. Uh, get healed and just like work in the mail room and answer phones or do whatever odd jobs while the unit was over in Alcoot after Baghdad fell. So um, I saw Danzig out there. I rented a car, took a, another uh, another friend of mine who's been kind of in and around the New Orleans metal scene for years. Um, and we saw Danzig and Nile and Opeth and Superjoint and a few other bands on this bill. And it was really good. I, uh, you know, I was I'm always happy to see people like enthusiastic about Glenn and his music. And I hadn't had a chance to see him last time he was in New Orleans. I had a DJ gig out of town. I got a paid gig to go do like a Halloween fair in Hammond or something when I was DJing and just writing full time. Um, and so I, I had to take the I had already promised to be there and I had to take the money rather than as much as I wanted to see Danzig and everything. But. I'm always happy. I, I am, and I mean this. I'm always happy to keep my word and everything. But um, I didn't get to see him then. And this time, oh, boy. Oh, my God. I almost wept openly. He, Danzig, killed. Cradle was great, but they had a you know an eight-song set. It's not yeah. that I did have anything bad to say about it. It was just that it was an opener set. I wish they'd co-headline. I wish they had co-equal time. It doesn't matter. It's just how it is. But uh, when he played... Uh, devil's play thing under her black wings i mean i i got i felt like i was like hearing it again the first time when i was a teenager just that booming yes. sort of you know the uh the dark el the you know kind of a uh, evil elvis voice right seeing that that persona that glenn has projected so well i don't know if it's a persona i think that's just him <laughs> that but that very much that um I, I don't want to say shtick because that's a bad because shtick has a kind of a negative connotation. Yeah. But Danzig has a has a quality to him that if I made a movie with a character like that, you would know exactly who I was referring to. Just like when you watch Stranger Things, you go, "Oh, okay, well that's like Stephen King and Goonies." Like Stephen King developed a vibe over the years and developed a kind of ambiance and a set of kind of signifiers that you would pick up in a movie and. Glenn really, really did that well. Like he developed a brand and a look and a sound and an idea that was him and only him. I mean, obviously there's influences from elsewhere, but if I had a character like that, or hell, if I had a movie like that, you would be like, Oh, that's a that's that's pretty Danzig, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent, man. He's he's definitely Is there a, is there a, a Danzig bio uh, like a biofilm somewhere? I I, I kinda think there was no, there was a documentary in development a few years ago, and I think he pulled the plug on it. Wow. I, again, I'm not telling tales out of school here. This was fairly public. Uh, someone was working on a movie back in the early 2000s, and um, one thing I I don't know I've never I've I've talked to Glenn. I interviewed him several years ago, and I met him briefly like once, but we have friends in common, so I don't want to like. Again, I'm not trying to tell tales out of school, but I think he kind of protects his private life pretty closely. So why when that uh, picture, his um, his girlfriend, Ashley Michael Wisdom, put out a picture of him like wrapping Christmas presents or something. And, you know, all of the Internet made fun of him, which 
I mean, sorry, you gotta, it doesn't matter how, how, how goth or metal you are. You have to do stuff like that. That's just life, man. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It, not everything's a meme. Yeah. That, and believe me, I've, Glenn has said some stuff over the years that has kind of rubbed me the wrong way where I have wildly disagreed with, and I've remained an obsessed super fan and, that's always kind of bothered me the way the internet sort of delights and ganging up on him. And I know he doesn't like it. And I always, you know, people, people always say, Oh, it's because he takes himself so seriously. And he can't laugh at himself. And I go, yeah, fine. I get that. But if he wasn't him, you wouldn't have the music that we heard Monday night, you know, or was it whatever, what it was earlier in the week, you yeah, know, that Tuesday. you wouldn't have those songs if it were a different person. You know what I mean? That's what it took to get there. And I told him something when I interviewed him and I meant it and I still mean it. I said, I've always felt like you went to some other place that the rest of us couldn't go. And all you could do is come back and try to tell about, tell us about it through music. And he just said, yeah, that's the best part, man. You know, it was just kind of a, kind of a cool, like, thanks, thanks for saying so response. But I still believe that. Like, I feel when I hear his best music, I feel like I'm looking into another world. It's like, I'm staring into hell or something like that. <laughs> Dude, his I, I was so impressed with his like his vocals at the show. Like I was like, "Fuck, man. This dude still has it." And like I mean, I, they got guys out there that put out records that are half his age and, st and can't sing like that live. You know what I mean? I, it, it was just amazing. It's it's a presence what it is. For me, it's he has a a, a presence and a a that he he brings to the show a lot of people don't have that presence they may have yeah. the, they may have the chops but it's it's not just the chops when you're doing something live full picture it's not just you sound like you're you know off the record that's that that's not that's only a quarter of it i mean you need more than that and he's got that and he's here and to to be able to go out there and still pack us to pack an arena you know, pack a venue, and and I mean, he's he's one of our he's a metal icon, if there ever was one. Well, he's a he's a genuine American singer songwriter in the same way that Johnny Cash was and Willie Nelson is, and he's he's one of those guys that we're very lucky to have. He was still alive, except he's you know he's that not for outlaw country, but for metal, you know, and absolutely. I think the only reason why he's not more recognized in the mainstream is that I think he likes owning everything and doing everything himself from like production to artwork and also metal just on some level still just is not doesn't get a lot of respect outside of it's kind of immediate circles unless you're like Metallica or the you know the people that are at the very very top like my parents don't like metal it doesn't matter yeah, it doesn't matter how good it is. Certain people just go, it's the same way with horror movies. Certain people will dismiss horror movies, unless it's a prestige piece like Silence of the Lambs. They're going to dismiss it out of hand. I mean, I remember in the um, early 90s, there was this period kind of like post-slasher boom, post-Pet Cemetery, but before Scream, where horror movies, it didn't matter if it was good. It was going to get like one star from critics. They'd say like, monsters, guy with a mask, no stars. Now let's talk about this new movie, Pretty Woman. You know, absolutely. No, but I mean, it's 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 one of those things. And and I look at music as 
be looked at. Music to me uh, is should be done like art. It is an art, art of course. form, and the the songs that come out. You have to look past hearing. You have to really. I I, I over I over analyze things. I, I like to look things like you know composition of of the music. Okay, I have. You know, I love I love the lyrics of things. I want to know what you're talking about because a lot of times in music, lyrics are overlooked, and it's sad because a long time ago it wasn't that way. Well, actually, not that long ago, but it seems to be that way now. Uh, a lot of things is I have a great sentence. I'm going to repeat it over and over again. It, it, there's more to music than that. You know, just the beat, just the rhythm. You need sure. you need to have something more, and it's it's bands that we uh, that well, we. I'm going to say, I deem iconic, that that paint the picture of that whatever that whatever the genre is. It could be fucking bluegrass, bluegrass, country, metal, rock, freaking classical, new classical. I don't care. Someone put time into it to to create something to project to us, and it's up to us to look at it and go, oh, I get it. Oh, I see past this. Oh, I can see what they're saying. People don't do that as much anymore. And I find that very sad because oh. there was a time when it all meant everything meant. I mean, we, we followed bands, you know, we, 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 we read the lyrics on every album cover in every CD folder. It didn't matter. It was, we were absorbed in it and we're like, okay, I can find the genius in this. There is a lot that wasn't, don't get me wrong, but there was so much that was that is so overlooked. And uh, as you brought up, I don't think a lot of people found the genius in that was Danzig. Those who did were better for it. Let's not say uh, was still with us, thankfully. But I think that, uh, you know, um, I, uh, you know, I was born in 1980 and going back to from the beginning, I can remember as a teenager there, I don't know that there ever was a, was a was in that case, because I knew plenty of people that didn't growing up that didn't give a damn about the quality of music. They were strictly out for the beat. They wore them because they were listening to it in some cases, because they were popular and it was right in front of them. But, you know, it's just, there's always going to be people that have a, um, a, let's say a kind of a half interest or a less than committed interest in something. And that's fine too. Like it really is because I mean, I know plenty of people that for them, like I'm, I'm a complete movie fanatic film buff, but for some people, you know, going to a movie is just whatever was there were the rockets and robots. Did it, you know, did it keep me occupied for 90 minutes or two hours? Cool. I mean, and I didn't really, you know, for, for years I would get really sort of, I was, I was a Dream music elitist for years and years and then you just find out later in life that people have different relationships with art and some of them yeah you wish everybody was a really committed like cinephile or music fan or comic book reader or connoisseur of um you know of uh romanticism or what have you um but you just go okay that's you know it's just not i've known some amazing people that did not give a damn about music that music was like whatever was on the radio in the background but i had to work with them so my music snobbery didn't really serve me well and so i would go okay this you know this guy's a good guy but he just kind of 
to him, he's, he's, he's interested or elsewhere in his life. Like maybe he has a kid, maybe he's really committed to his job. Maybe he's very good at his job, but it just doesn't, he's not going to go like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is on the radio. You know, you know, where is that freaking uh, you know, soft machine CD or something like that. Let me make this whole, let me, let me make this vehicle more authentic right now or something, you know? So yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying a hundred percent. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm completely there with you. I'm, I'm the guy to talk to, but uh, I just have kind of learned to like forgive people for that and just go, okay. Yeah. Some people, music isn't that important to them or to them. It's just a beat to dance to. That's all it's ever going to be, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I see it all the time, and then it's, it's a thing. Yeah, just for me personally, I, I love, I love the creative process of whatever, whatever you do in life. I think the creative process of it is, is paramount. I mean, that it, it, you know, and I think it needs to be appreciated, and and whatever it is. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. No, no disagreement. Um, so Wayne asked about the other book coming out. Um, yeah. So. I'll I'll do a um, a slightly rough transition there, so we don't go way way into the uh, critical interpretive waters and <laughs> bore the hell out of everybody. But um, so the uh, sequel to my um, graphic novel, Tad Caldwell and the Monster Kid, is uh, underway. Uh, most of the book has been drawn. I'm lettering as we speak. Um, it's uh, that is probably outside of the the Cradle of Filth and the Sixty Nine Eyes comic has probably been my most I guess, well-regarded book overall. I don't know if it's the best-selling because the original Dead Souls miniseries actually sold a lot of copies, even though I think it's very raw. But um, so, yeah, I've got Dead, uh, Tad Caldwell 2 underway because the movie based on the first one, we're looking to get out by the end of the summer is what I heard from um, Laura Duvall, our director. It's being uh, edited by Savage Light Studios in New Orleans right now. So um, pretty happy about that. But, yeah, it, it's interesting because I was at the um, signing at a BSI for Free Comic Book Day a couple of weekends ago. First signing I've done since before the pandemic, by the way. And I had a couple of people at least come up and go, hey, that is one of my favorite comic books. That's one of the my favorite graphic novels. And, you know, when I did Tad Caldwell, I was happy about it. Like, I thought it was good, but I really, like, didn't know it was going to take off in the, at least in the area around here, the way it is the point where people would come out and do a movie for it during, during the pandemic. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty fucking cool, dude. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it, especially because with the pandemic, we had to do all that. We had to do on-site testing and everything and everybody, I know Laura Duvall cobbled the, the whole operation together from favors owed. And she obviously, it costs some money, but it's a it's a real SAG Afra small budget film. So it's a real union production. It's not like a YouTube thing or a student film or whatever. So I don't know if it's gonna be in theaters, but I mean not much is in theaters these days. <laughs> um right. so movie theaters are more like theme park rides or concerts these days where it's more of a, you know, an occasional thing, I I feel. Unless you've got uh -oh. AMC Unless you got AMCA list, which I don't have, and I'm not stumping for or anything. <laughs> is the is the uh, I was just curious because I don't know what it is like there in Louisiana, but is it uh, are the theaters come have they come back? Because where I'm at, they're still it's awful right now. No, it's still uh, we got we got some pretty good um, theaters. People have been going a lot lately. Actually, it's pretty crazy. Okay. 
We um went and saw the um we went and saw the Batman um several months well not a few months ago at this point. I know we and it was pretty crowded and we saw the Northmen, which was not so crowded, but I don't think that the Northmen nobody was expecting like that's not that kind of movie. I don't doesn't mean anything to me. That those kind of movies have have legs and they stay around forever, you know. Um, but I would say, yeah, for the most part, people seem to be going. Like every time I've gone to the theater, it's not empty, you know. Um, how was the how was the topic of a movie for to you approached? How how did it come to be? You know, my man. Laura asked me several years ago when I first tried my stint of like a couple of years of working for myself. Laura asked me if I wanted to do a movie. I said, yeah, obviously. And we tried to get the funding together. We really kind of didn't know what we were doing. Like I was sort of new to working by myself or working on my own. And she was new. She was not new, but she hadn't done a feature film yet. This was her first feature film. She'd done some short films, but by the time um, she got ready to do it back in 2020, she had had enough experience working in the area to just know how to put it all together. And so when she, she had talked to me about it a couple of times over the year, in the intervening years of like 2013 through 2020, she would bring it up every so often. And I would always say, okay, all right, well, get ready, get back to me when you're ready. And then finally she said, no, we're really moving forward on this. I need you to review um, casting videos and I need you to, we need to touch up the script in a couple of places where, we just had to change stuff because of budget reasons. I think we talked about this in the last episode. Although I guess it's it's always cool to revisit it since the movie is not out yet. <laughs> yeah. But, um, the um, yeah, uh, Laura thought it had legs, and everyone in the cast liked the script and was willing to come work on it on content either for free or on contingency. In some cases, a lot of cases, um, we have uh, Jason Kirkpatrick who was in. Um, Deepwater Horizon, and he was on a couple of episodes of The Walking Dead. He's local, so he came out and played Tad Caldwell. And uh, Jake Alex Will played um, Nathan, so nice. I don't have the entire cast list in front of me. But the um, I, I hate to use the, the to uh, kind of say this, but there's like it's because it sounds sort of sort of shitty. But there are mainstream actors in the movie, like Joseph Poliquin, who plays Wayne, the video store clerk, was in. Um, that uh, Tom Hanks film, I'm trying to remember, was it a, uh, it's the one about the uh, the submarines during World War II. It went straight to Apple TV, but I'm blanking on the name, unfortunately. I can't um, remember the name of that either. I have no idea. I don't know that one. Um, it, uh, well, again, it was one of those pandemic ones that would have right. been uh, in the theater. I can, uh, you know, I'm sure I can find it yeah, in about yeah. 30 seconds. Tom, or Tom Hanks, I'm trying to remember Tom, Tom Hanks. Uh, Greyhound, uh, yeah. I have to say gray wolf, but it was a gray hound. But so it's, um, again, it's, it was shot for very, very cheaply, but it's not just a student film or a YouTube thing. It's going to be a full length, like 90 minute feature length, uh, which to me is great because all the best cult movies are about 90 minutes long. You know, you get in, you get out and you like change people's lives along the way. So that's what we're hoping to do. And, um, you know, the idea is that we want to have the second graphic novel, the sequel graphic novel, hopefully is a basis for a sequel to the film, depending on how it does and all that, and how, how it turns out. Uh, I'm sure it'll be great, but, you know, I can't predict the future. Right. So, um, J.C. Grande, who worked with me on Immortal 60, the comic that I did several years ago, 
he I had him come in because Carl Slominski to the art on the first one is off doing his own creator own stuff. It's all good. Carl and I are friendly. We talk. It's no big deal. He just told me he wanted to keep focusing on his own stuff. And I completely understand that because I do, too. You know? Well, yeah, of um, course. So I brought in J.C. Grande because they have kind of a similar visual style and just he read through the first one and obviously really liked it. And he's, um, I would say, about three quarters of the way through drawing it. Um, I had lettered on blank pages already, so I'm going back and, you know, lettering on the uh, the, the finished art pages now. So we're uh, putting it together as fast as we can. I know people have been waiting, like, freaking ten years at this point for a sequel or something. <laughs> so I'm getting as fast as I can. Nah, dude, well, that's, that's a lot, man. That's a, that is a lot to do. Yes. That's a lot I mean, dude, you're not only writing it, but you're also doing the lettering in the book. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm not a great letterer, but I like the opportunity to rewrite the book along the way. Um, and not wholesale rewrite it, but I like the opportunity to make edits and changes because what I tend to do is I'm pretty verbose, uh, if you can't tell from this interview, um, in the <laughs> beginning. And then what I go through, what I do is I go through and I chop it down until it's of reasonable length. I take out all the little asides on a little, a lot of the quips and little comments and re-emphasis and things that people kind of do when they're talking. But when you look at a comic script, like comics have to have a certain degree of brevity, even if you're writing like Chris Claremont or Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, where you're really, really laying on the prose heavy, you gotta, unless you're just wanting to do like an illustrated book, you know, you really do have to, see what can i cut for it it always happens you're like three a quarter of this at least if not half has got to go and then you find out well yeah this moved a lot better if i said this in one sentence instead of five you know what i mean oh yeah sure so well what's the what's the 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 you know this this all this is all coming out everything is it's falling into place at this point where where is the next adventure for kurt amaker where 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 is this where, where are you going next? Tell, tell us about that. You know, I like I like writing and creating comic books. I mean, that's I always told people I didn't get into comics to turn them like to make Netflix pitches or to make movies. It wasn't um, a it wasn't a bus stop on the way to some other career. I have a I have a career. I have a day job that I love and I like writing comics and I'll continue to do that until I'm freaking dead. I, might, I have another novel in progress. <laughs> It's been on the back burner for forever, um, and it'll get finished eventually. That I'm been pretty happy with where it's going. It's just some of these comic projects keep coming up. Um, so, you know, when you look at people and what you do in life, you you always have to kind of look in the mirror and decide who am I and what do I want to do. I care about comics. I, they're an original American art form. I know there's you know we're not talking about hieroglyphics. There are precedents in, in history and things like that um there have always been newspaper cartoons of comic books as we understand it serialized storytelling that's my passion that's where i'm at so for me um anything i do in my free time like again i'm not saying i'd ever like sit back and watch a movie but for me like i'm reading uh william Faulkner's absalom absalom right now which is an incredibly challenging book but i'm always looking at and going okay what can i learn from this even if it's just making my writing better, everything is sure. at the top of the pyramid. Every movie I watch, every book I read, every comic I read is the top of the pyramid is 
creating better and better comic books. I mean, I don't have kids and, uh, you know, I love my wife to death. I'd like, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a house. And I mean, we have a house right now, but I'm going to buy a bigger house in a few months, God willing. Um, so that's, that's what's next. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. And I was, and I told Laura that when she asked me about turning Tad Caldwell into a film, I said two things. One, I never wrote any comic that I've ever put my hands on with the intention of turning it into a movie. But two, and I know these things sound contradictory, but they're not. I always wrote them in a way that I thought they could be filmed kind of cheaply. That's why, like in Dead Souls, a lot of it's just Vlad and Elizabeth talking. Now there's like sure. there's, there's some there's some action scenes, there's some crazy action scenes with gunfights and everything. Um, but I made sure that all of my stuff was there was sort of a back door in there. If you wanted to make a movie out of it, you could do it cheaply because of course you would have to. So I remember Tad Caldwell when I when I, years later I was like, oh, there's a lot of aliens and sci-fi stuff in it. And I asked Laura, I was like, well we're doing this for like very little money. How are you going to pull this off? She said, have you looked at your own book? Like, I mean, uh, at some point, yeah, she was, there's not actually much of that in there. There's like flashes of it. There's like one panel where somebody like sees aliens in a, in a vision or something like that. But she's like, it's not full of sci-fi imagery that cost a bunch of money. There's a couple of scenes, but, um, and I said, yeah, well, I always, I always wrote things like that with that in mind. So, um, that worked out and I'm happy about that, but no, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep creating comics and curating my personal library, you know, books, graphic novels, movies and all. And I guess I'm going to just, uh, leave it all to my nephew. My sister had a baby a couple of years ago. So somebody will have to sort all this stuff when I'm dead. And, um, (laughs) well, that's a good, that's a good thing, man. You at least have someone to leave it to, right? Yeah, I know. Well, otherwise, it was just going to go to Goodwill, or my wife was going to have to unload it on somebody. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff, dude. That is a lot. Of That's stuff. what my wife says all the time. What am I going to do with all this shit when you're dead? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Wayne's house looks like a pop culture museum. It's crazy. Absolutely yeah, crazy. Mine, um, mine looks more like an early 20th century drawing room. But, nice. Uh, I, I, yeah, I like being surrounded by uh, by books and films, and uh, I think that ideally in our next house, which we of course have not bought yet, I'd like to build a little screening room with a projector and you know some comfy seats, and you know turn the lights down and have a have a proper movie. Um, that would be cool. I don't know. I mean, I can't predict the future again. I but I'm that's sort of my a, a, per, a personal goal. I do. You know, comic binding and other stuff. Not not personally. I put stuff together for a binder that's just for my own personal library and satisfaction. But yeah, I mean, I love art and I love um, uh, I love movies, books, and comics. And I and I also love you know reading nonfiction and learning. And uh, to me, it's like you have if you're not if you don't have kids. And I again, as I said, I don't. You have to create. You have to create and leave behind something. Otherwise, you're just kind of on an exercise bike. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. And I have one more question for you. One more question. Sure. As many years if, like. <laughs> if, if, if the time were to come and someone was going to say, hey, I'm going to make a movie of your life, who's playing you? Liv Schreiber. Um, he's got the height and the sort of awkward monotone delivery. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's, just, it's, it's very cool, man. I think everything you've done is up to this, severely up to this point, has been amazing. You, 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 you know, thank you. Military, your, your, your artistic career. You know, you, you've got the drive, you've got the vision, and I think uh, uh, sky's the limit. And I think that most people are are, are going to see you, and uh, it's it's. You're you're leaving a legacy as you build it. It's amazing. Yeah, well, it's uh, I've got I assume that I've got around forty years left, assuming I don't die at seventy or something like that. <laughs> you know, I um, I started writing seriously in uh, two thousand and three when I was laid up when I had uh, busted my knee out in California. I started working on my first comic book script, and then the book didn't come out until two thousand eight because I just didn't know what I was doing. I had to learn how to use Adobe. I had to learn. Um, how to, I, I had some issues with the, the first artist, so I had to recobble together, I had to cobble together the book in Photoshop from a couple of different drafts, and it wasn't very good, but it still sold, and obviously, like, Danny Filth liked it a lot, and Alan Moore liked it a lot, so that helped give me a little bit of a boost, uh, you know, even even Al, I said, oh, that's very raw, and he told me later, he said, yeah, I could see the, the good writing through the rawness, so I said, all right, so, um, all right, so look, man, like, what about what's 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 been like the the latest things you've been watching? I know you saw you saw the Batman. Have you seen anything I've, else? Like uh, any 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 other like good movies or uh, or television shows? Actually, because you know me and Rom always have these uh, arguments that uh, uh, I have terrible taste in in, in TV and movies, and uh, you know I want to see what what you've watched, and maybe you've watched something that I liked and you liked it too, and then now. Rum is wrong. Yeah, well, I would like to take every opportunity I can to prove rum wrong. Okay? <laughs> Within this podcast, I've developed an affinity, a passion, uh, call it a hobby if you like. Um, <laughs> but no, I uh, so I saw the Batman in the theater, and I saw which I I, I liked, but I have some caveats with. I saw Morbius, which wasn't very good, but I still had a pretty good time watching it just as a as a turn your brain off kind of thing. Right. But I saw The Northmen, which I really liked. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the original Conan the Barbarians and the callbacks to that and just the uh, um, Ayers kind of like uh, real lo-fi kind of, uh, you know, the movie The Witch. He doesn't go in for the flash. He goes in for the slow burn. So I really liked that. Uh, I just, this is going to make, you will laugh at this. I just finished watching the TV show Preacher. Uh, I have not been watching <laughs> it since it came out. I want to be very clear about that. I we The the bride and I watched all four seasons back to back because... Um, you beat I me. I, I've only watched the first two seasons because uh, I lost track of it after season two. And I, I didn't even, to be honest with you, I didn't even know they had four. They were at four. And... I'll give them. The, I'll give them this credit. They finished it. It properly ended. It was not a. Um, it wasn't a cliffhanger that was never resolved, which is a thing that I was getting to. The reason why I'm watching Preacher so late, I, tr- I tend to just watch shows after they're over, and I like to burn through them because I don't like waiting week to week. I take no pleasure in that, and also I don't like to watch like half of a story. If something is not gonna finish, then I would just rather not watch it. There's just too much good stuff out there to like watch three, (laughs) 
something it goes in. well i didn't watch deadwood for years because they kept they didn't finish it and then they finally put the movie out on hbo and it wrapped up the storyline i mean i'm sure you could say well no they didn't deal with this one thing that i remember from the first episode but whatever it, they properly finished the story to whatever degree you know is, is debatable but i went ahead and watched deadwood with the movie at the end uh because i was like well, at least i know this thing ends i don't like doing half stories in fact i um I quit watching Hannibal partway through the second season when I heard that it wasn't coming back. But then I was told later on that they ended it in such a way that you could view it as an end of the show and not like it wasn't blatantly open ended uh, in such a way that, you know, like it wouldn't it wouldn't work at all. So we're probably going to we're probably going to watch Hannibal next just because I love I love Hannibal Lecter. I love Thomas Harris's books and the uh, Anthony Hopkins portrayal of him. Um Getting back to what I know you really want to talk about, which is the Batman. Um, I, I did really like it, and so having seen it for a second time now, uh, can I, I think. Can I, can I can I can I ask a question real quick? Sure. Did you did you like it because he glittered? Uh, he didn't <laughs> glitter. As I, that movie was so bleak that it really reminded me of the first Crow movie. In fact, I watched the oh, Crow. Wow. Well, in fact, I watched The Crow the night, not for the first time, uh, shockingly, uh, the night before, because I remember seeing it in the theater, and like a lot of people said that it kind of reminded them of Seven and The Crow together, and then some yeah. of the real, the kind of, um, the qualities of the city being really immersive and the way that Blade Runner was, really look like you were looking into a, a very developed world, like a whole city. And I appreciated that about it. They did a really good job of making Gotham just look like hell on earth, like a city that anybody with any sense that was living there either couldn't leave or they were profiting by the fact that the city is just an engine run on misery, like the, the mob and the politicians. And the um, I thought that Robert Pattinson did a good job as uh, with his portrayal of Bruce Wayne. I don't agree with some of the assessments people were complaining about that he looks more like Superman at the end when he's like leading people out of the flood. And the problem with that is that Batman has been done many, many different ways. In some stories, he's this just this nocturnal Avenger that like walks the fine line between like justice and revenge and utter madness. And in others, he's He's like a vigilante or the cops tolerate him or even like him. And they kind of like the, the whole city sort of looks at him as a hero. And he's a known he's sort of a known quantity. If you look at the um, at least um, around the time that I was reading Batman, let's say I'm, I'm going to ballpark it. Let's say like five to eight years ago, you know, Barbara Gordon would be on the headset. And it would be Nightwing, Huntress, Batman and all Robin, all the rest of the Bat family. They would be out in the field. And she would be guiding them and telling them where to go. And it was, he had a whole paramilitary operation running that was right. acknowledged and if not well-loved, like it was tolerated by law enforcement. Um, so when people were complaining about the end where they where he's like helping the police and he's kind of out in the daylight, I said, yeah, sometimes Batman is portrayed as an asshole and is just crazy and unhinged and he's like one bad day away from being the Punisher. But in others, he really is like, uh, he is like kind of, <laughs> He's kind of a superhero in the traditional sense. Like he's, he has a moral compass. He's there to really help people. So that part didn't bother me. What bothered me was the length and the pacing really felt more like 
they were trying to make it like a Netflix show where people will have it on in the background and no one actually tries to keep up with the sort of labyrinthian plot, which I get it. I, I could I could summarize it pretty quickly, you know, that uh, Thomas Wayne ran a, uh, a charitable endowment for the city and then he died after making a bad deal with Carmine Falcone and then a bunch of crooked cops and politicians moved in to plunder the plunder the uh the endowment he left for the city and then the riddler's orphanage didn't get the money and so they had to live amongst rats in this decaying dead or uh, orphanage and it drove him crazy and so i was taking his revenge and all the people that plunder the endowment and batman has to stop him that's the story um so I, I but the way they got there, it felt more like three episodes of a Netflix series and not a film. You know what I mean? Um, I know that there's a uh, there's now a lawsuit uh, against the movie and whoever whoever wrote the movie. Um, strangely enough, I, I doubt it'll go very far. But uh, one of the uh, there is a RPG game by the name of Riffs. Yeah, I know riffs. I mean, I haven't played it in years, but I'm aware of. Okay, there was a there was a module that the creator of that module that was published and everything else uh, said that the uh, movie is almost verbatim. Hmm. So uh, there's this whole now this backlash, I guess, with riffs and the the creator of that and and the movie, and I guess we'll see where that goes. Like I said, I I doubt it will go very far, but. Uh, because one side has better lawyers, um, but uh, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I was I was curious because I haven't seen it yet. I was really anxious to actually see the the new Batman oh, movie because I've it, watched everything. It, it gave away the whole movie to you. I'm sorry, man. No, no, no that's absolutely fine. That's not, because it's it to me. I, I have to see it anyway. You know, it's just one of those things. But uh, so cool. Uh, I I was I was not. Uh, on the, uh, the 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 Patterson the bandwagon at the time, but uh, everything I've seen trailer wise and and little snippets here, little snippets there of, of the movie, I'm like, you know what? He wasn't a bad choice. No, he wasn't. He was not. Um, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was awesome. I, I liked it. I liked the um, the did, like did the you did you stay and, awake through it? I did. I did. I watched the entire film. Um, wow. It was. Go. It was. Like uh, Kurt said, it it was long, and some spots were kind of slow. <laughs> but all in all, I think it was a good story, and I thought it was really fun. You know, so I are we mean, talking? Are we talking universe things again? Like this is a different universe than it uh, is. Okay, from it's a different universe from Zack Snyder's um, Ben Affleck's Batman. It's a different universe, obviously, from Michael Keaton. It's not the same universe as uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. So I know that's, um, I mean, my father is thoroughly frustrated. He just said, they're remaking Batman again. I said, yeah, that's a different guy from the last, you know, couple. But honestly, I, I really enjoyed it. I just, to me, it feels like it's a flawed film. Like, it feels like if somebody bought you a new car, but somebody had keyed one side of it or something, you know, it's still a beautiful car. <laughs> um, there's a couple of, there's a couple of marks. There was some kind of um, politicized stuff that was a little silly in it, but it didn't overwhelm the film or anything right. like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bludgeon, like a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of writing and film and comics has become these days. It was a little more subtle or it was just kind of 
So it was just like one, a couple of little off the cuff remarks or things. You go, okay, I can overlook this. Right. Uh, as far as the, the substance of what people were complaining about, about like, I thought Robert Pattinson did good, did well as Bruce Wayne, but it was a different Bruce Wayne from the last several that have been portrayed on screen. And that's okay because Batman's been portrayed a lot of different ways. And some, comics you know in the dick sprang years in the 60s he's like a smiley uncle of the bat family and under frank miller he's this avenging psychopath although that's that's probably giving short shrift to miller's depiction but i i think you guys understand what i mean he's been yeah. written many many different ways as is superman so when somebody like when people watched man of steel which i didn't like initially but i've grown to really like over the years and so well that's not my superman it's not superman i said well there's like 50 different iterations or characterizations of superman floating out there in the ether and i'm sure you can find one that you are flying flying uh out there in the ether so i'm sure you can find one you like um but you know what i would i would like to see i, I would love to see a adaptation of batman that was more detective comics well again right written by who in which era you know because detective I, I'm, I'm looking at i'm looking i'm thinking i'm thinking batman 1940s i want i want to i want to take it back like really old I wanna, school I, w I want i want philip marlowe meets batman that'd That's be what I want. that would be cool and do it kind of like a uh, film noir kind of black and white really edgy yeah, with, with pops of color which are very you know sin city-ish yeah you know yeah. type of thing going on i would I just say think that was very cool the long halloween animated movie which of course is follows the comic book uh by jeff Loeb and tim sale pretty closely like long halloween is the closest i've seen and they jeff Loeb and tim sale said this they said we were doing a gangster movie like a 1940s you know 30s 40s like james cat james cagney and edward g robinson godfather we were doing that with batman and what they wanted to show was the transit there's a point i'm getting to a point about this about matt reeves the batman movie by the way they wanted to show that at one point gotham was like any other city it had mobsters and then the Arkham Asylum element, the like supervillains eventually kind of displaced the mob and they wanted to show how that happened. And that's a great, that's a great series. It's 12 issues long. And it was based, it was, it was, sorry, it was turned into like a three hour animated movie that was released in two parts. But Matt Reeves, the Batman, the film is in part based on that. Although it's not wholly based, it takes elements from other things. And to me, the, emphasis on crooked politicians and the detective work and the mob that reeves the batman is the closest i've seen the series really come to that like i was watching kind of like a grown-up movie about like a crime film and not just i mean obviously the dark knight kind of got there first in its own way with the emphasis on the gotham city mob and the relationship with the joker and everything right. but i thought Matt, batman did the best of like looking like Goodfellas, but with Batman in it, you know, or from his vantage point or That's something cool. like that. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to I look dig, that up. I absolutely dig that. Uh, but yeah, man, like, uh, I really need to look that, that film up, dude. What would you, what did you say it was, Kurt? What was the name of it again? The Batman what? The animated the, one? The Long Halloween was the animated one, um, but the, uh, it's on HBO Max right now, but I... Oh, I, I assume you don't mean the the Batman with by no 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 I meant I meant the animated one because I I haven't seen that one I'd like to check that out. Um, 
three hours long. It's very good. And it's, um, yeah, it's Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale really were like, we're making a 40s gangster movie with Batman in it. Although that, or for gang, graphic novel, rather. I mean, the first line is uh, Bruce Wayne in a gangster's office. And he says, instead of saying, I believe in America, he says, I believe in Gotham. They're just, they throw in the Godfather. Out nice. There. That's great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always good with that. You know, Godfather's great. I mean, that doesn't even Fuck need yeah. to be. Well, Kurt, man, look, we really appreciate you coming on, dude. I hate to cut you short, but we got to get out of here. Um, but we will have you back on. But before we get out of here, dude, can you let everybody know where they can find your stuff, man? You got a, got a website. You got some uh, places they can hunt down your books or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the My main website's KurtAmaker.com and DarkNotesPress.com. The uh, newest cradle filth comic, Maledictus Athenaeum, written by myself with art by Abigail Larson, cover by Megan Hetrick, is available at incendium.co uh, and I'm sure if you google Cradle of Filth comic it'll probably come up pretty quickly too and the um, Tad Caldwell sequel is underway and that should be out I would say probably by the uh, the end of the summer hopefully in conjunction with the, uh, the film coming out and uh, we'll have details on the release strategy for that I mean obviously we would love to go to the theater but you know it's life everything's probably going everything goes to streaming now anyway so if we have to stream uh, can't tell you where just yet, but once I know, you'll know. Hell yeah. Like, looking forward to that, dude. Um, I, I want to say thank you so much because, uh, and, I, and please take this as a compliment, you are a fascinating character, and I love every time we talk to you. Yes. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I uh, just... I just do what I do, and I kind of move forward. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just a bullet traveling through walls as best I can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that, dude. I'm gonna name this episode that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, guys, thank y'all for joining us. Uh, as always, I was your host Wayne. I am the rum guy, and I am your guest, Kurt Amaker. That's right. And remember, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, metal. That's it! Get the fuck!